1: If you want sweeter or discounts, travel unlimited with insurance. See what's all about. Switch to insurance. Get a quote and save by bundling auto and home with insurance
0: Welcome, everybody, to a brand new episode of The The Geek Geek Buddies! Hey! That's right, we're coming to you live from here in my... Well, live as you're hearing this. It's (laughs) live to tape. Uh, But we're in my office uh, tonight. And once again, if you are missing a third voice, that's because Michael Vogel is unfortunately not with us tonight because he is... He's been... Am I allowed to say what he's been doing? I don't like to get in uh, trouble with him. I never know what the... You guys have things... Yeah, yeah, you can can say what he's doing. Just don't say how he's... Doing all it. right, fine. He's Does in Miami. Sense? He's in Miami <laughs> pitching animated series. That's right. So yes. he's very, uh, very. He's he's a kind of a very popular guy within the animation world. Yes, this is happening now. So he is uh, down there doing that. So he couldn't join us this week, but he'll be back uh, uh, in town on Friday, and then we're. Hitting the ground, running back again with the Geek Buddies. um, I'm John Roque. I'm a writer, producer, and host of uh, numerous podcasts and shows around town. Uh, And also, what else do I... Oh, voiceover art. I do some voiceover as well. Leaning back into that as well.
1: Yes, and this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer... Perhaps one of the things I've written on, Vogel is pitching uh, in Miami right now. Perhaps another one of the things I've written on, Mr. Roke has been a, been a couple of voices in. I have. Perhaps. But I'm also a television actor, where you have, may have seen me on Silicon Valley. Yep. Uh, you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine just last week. Yep. And I'm going to be on the Goldbergs next week.
0: The Goldbergs! Yes. Yeah, that's good stuff. You like, you, you've you? been trying out for the Goldbergs for quite some time.
1: Well, I was you in finally the Goldbergs. Booked. You
0: were in the Goldbergs. Yeah, yeah okay. I, was,
1: I was in the... Uh, I, I, audience obviously doesn't know this, but I was in right. the Goldbergs, uh, season one. Okay. Smaller role in the cold open, but it was funny. It was right. a, it was a joke with uh, Beverly and Erica, who's like the mother and the daughter, with okay. Clinton Covey. Okay. Um And I remember getting the role and getting the whole script, and I read it, and I'm like, "Oh, this is really funny, huh?" My part gives away a plot point very early in the oh. episode, and the next morning, I got the rewrite, and my part had been whittled down to one line. Jesus! And then they didn't even use that line.
0: So you knew? You, oh, so they didn't even. So they recorded you. Did they even use you? Is that what? Is that the question? Oh, is they that use. Better? Oh, yeah. Is that better? Do you think? Or uh, no, turn it, right. turn it, turn it back let's on. Let's see. Let's see. Is that better?
1: I think the other way. You think the other having it better? off? Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. I think. I, yeah. I think it's a little more real. All looking. All right, There we go. A little um, more real looking. That's so what yeah, I looking. shot. I mean, I I <laughs> was I got paid, but yeah. shooting, I'm kind of like, yeah, this ain't. This there's work, no there's no sense of this right, being in there, especially right, right. if they are like if they're running long on time. Or this anything. is the
0: life we live. Well we I used to live, but you still live uh, Yeah, booking these things. So you never know if you're gonna end up on screen, you never know what's gonna get cut. Yeah, your whole family could be watching, and you've got oh. one word, or all your lines are cut, which are the worst. Um the so. first
1: time, if we have time, I can share this yeah, quick story. Yeah, the first time I was cut was in Heart of Dixie, which was a oh, yeah. CW series yeah, with I Rachel Dilson. Um I, I want to say I was in season three, season three or, or season th- uh, four. But- Shock that it ran that. Long. <laughs> but basically, she had left the small town. Yeah. She'd gone back to the big city and I was a doctor who was kind of not nice to her. Right. Um, I was kind of sort of offering her uh, an opportunity and then I kind of yanked it away like ha 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 ha, ha. Uh, And it was a fun, it was a fun role. Rachel Bilson was very, very nice. Yeah. And then, um, obviously, I'm here in LA. My parents are in Florida. They're, yeah. they're on the East Coast. So, uh, I tweeted this, but the most stressful time when you're on a show on the West Coast is texting with people on the East Coast. Yes, right. <laughs>
0: because <'Cause> they'll <laughs> let you know.
1: They're three hours ahead. Oh, yeah. So, my dad and I, are are I aming and he's just like okay hey we just saw you and then and I'm like oh okay good and Couple of seconds go by and then I see, you know, the little, the little ellipses, the progress. The three, the three
0: blinking buttons of death.
1: So he's, he's talking and then it says, Hey, so do you do anything else? And I'd never been cut at that point. So I was all uh, snarky and was like, well, of course I do something else. Dad, I wouldn't have told all these people to watch if I didn't do anything else. And then. Another 30 seconds went by, and I'm like, well, I know the scene's not this long. <laughs> so I asked him, I'm like, hey, Dad, is, uh, is she still in the hospital? Is is Hart still in the hospital? And he went, no, no, she's on a bus. <laughs> <laughs>
0: they, she, they already signed her out, son. I don't know. Fuck what ah! yeah. That's what happens sometimes. You just never know what it's going to be. You never know who it's going to be, and you never know if you're going to make the cut. And uh, With voiceover, you know a little bit more. I mean, that's kind of the thing with voiceover is like if you're yeah. doing a commercial, you know. You're in it, right? right? if you're doing, most of the times you're doing an animated series, it's rare when they cut you out. Um, yeah,
1: because, this I mean, it's 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 rare. I mean, it can happen, but, but it is. You've done it, right? But it is rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, that matters. Oh, yeah, because if you don't show up, you don't get the residuals for right, that. Exactly, exactly. Or rather,
0: if you're not in the credits,
1: you don't get the residuals Right, right. I
0: make sure I'm in the credits, whatever I do. <laughs> Damn it. I don't do no five and unders. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, so this week, we're gonna, uh, you know, for those of you who are new to the Geek Buddies, thank you so much for taking a chance for downloading us and watching us. Uh, over 4,000 of you watched the episode I put up. we put Ooh. up a couple weeks ago, which is really great. Thank you so much. I think we're nearing 2,000 on the second episode. So thank you all so much. This is a show that's been going on for quite some time. Shannon and Mike and I have been friends for over 20 years. We're massive geeks go to Comic-Con, do all kinds of stuff together. Go see the movies, geek out, you know, g- you know, get, get involved in all this kind of stuff. We have all of our friends, or a lot of our friends rather into this kind of stuff as well so we are seasoned uh, professionals and veterans of the world of geek. And so we thought we'd finally put this thing together and do it, the three of us just talking. It was Infinity War that motivated us, right? Or was it Endgame? I think it was Endgame. Okay, so it was Endgame that motivated us to put this thing together way back in March of last year. And so we've been going ever uh, strong ever since, every week. But well, we've been talking about it for a while, and I think it was oh, when, yeah.
1: I th- was it after Last Jedi where yes. you and I and Vogel and Kalinowski went to Golden Road yes. and had sort of a conversation over drinks, and you had sort of the ambient noise of the restaurant in the background. Yeah, And that's when you were like, this is something that we should do all the time.
0: Yeah, I I made it very clear. I felt like, uh, yeah, there are other shows out there to talk geek stuff and nerd stuff and everything like that. But I think the unique nature of our show is that You have an executive like Michael Vogel, who's been an executive producer on a number of other projects. He's got the inside know-how of what it's like in the studio system. you got someone like you who's written uh, all these animated uh, shows. You've been in front of the camera. You know what it's like to go on these auditions and the grind and stuff. Plus, you've been following superhero stuff, comic book stuff, nerd stuff for many, many years. I mean, it's it's part of your thing. Same thing here. I kind of got seasoned to being... Oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. There you go. A little Aquaman action. Wow. And he's showing people his shirt. For those of you who are listening to us on, on the podcast, he's, he's showing his Aquaman shirt. His a Char- a Schroeder, or is it Charlie Brown? It's Charlie, Charlie Brown. Brown. Aquaman shirt This was there. a
1: gift from our geek
0: buddy, Jonathan. Yeah, he, does, he gives great shirts. A mm-hmm. few does. Christmases ago. So do you. <laughs> uh, and, and then uh, me, of course, being a, a host and a, a producer and writer all over town with all this kind of stuff, um, I just thought, since we already do this already anyway, why not put it in, see if people like it? And, you know, we've never had a negative comment. It's been kind of incredible as we've been building uh, with... Geek buddy, So thanks so much for downloading another episode of the show and thanks so much for watching another episode of the show here on the Outlaw Nation YouTube channel. But thank you. Anyway, we digress. We Uh, digress. Let's jump into our Geek Data. For those of you who are new to the show, uh, what we do is we each talk about one Geek News item this week. Usually it's three Geek News items. Shannon's going to take two of them. I'm going to take one of them. Then we're going to jump into our main topic. And our main topic is going to be kind of breaking down what happened with Birds of Prey. I think it's still fresh or we think it's still fresh to have this conversation about what what happened, what could have happened, Happened, what does the name change mean? What are we, what's going to happen going forward? Is there going to be a sequel? Did they do right by the characters? We're going to break it all down and have a nice long conversation. Well, not long, but necessarily a uh, good conversation about the whole thing. So okay. All right, let's jump into it. What's our first thing, Shannon? To start off, it was announced in Variety today
1: that a sequel to Aladdin, the uh, the live-action adaptation of the classic Disney film that came out this past summer starring Will Smith, um, it is in active development right now. Wow! Now, now, a lot of people assumed because the movie did surprisingly make yes. so much money, it's like, all right, well, this is inevitable. There's going to be a sequel to this. But today they went on record in, in the article that they are actively developing it. Um, they haven't said uh, if, if the cast is coming back, but one could assume you're not going to make Aladdin without Will Smith. Smith, right. and also uh, Naomi Scott and uh, Mina Massoud. Oh, wow. Is that how you pronounce his yeah, name? Yeah, I mean, Mina
0: Massoud. He can stop complaining now. <laughs> he doesn't get auditions. He <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> I've spoken to a couple of people who've seen Mina, Mina at these auditions, and it's not like he's not getting auditions. What he's saying is he, he doesn't want to audition anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it, but. Yeah,
1: that was an interesting, that yeah. was an interesting little, uh, little thing that came out. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, he, he gave that quote at, a uh, Junket for a show he was on. Exactly. For a show he was actually on. <laughs> That no, yeah. I mean, he had shot it prior to Aladdin, right? But right, it was right. like ah, I don't feel I that know. bad for you. Please. Yeah, you got to be aware of things, man. So. But, <laughs> but
0: that's, yeah, it
1: was great. Well, yeah, but they're switching up writers. Um, okay. I believe it was was it John August or, uh, that did the first one, but now they're going to John Gattons, who actually was uh, has been nominated for an Academy Award with Flight, the Denzel oh, Washington, nice. uh, and uh, Denzel Washington movie. Yeah, I and, like that movie. Uh, Andrea Burloff. Oh, nice. Who, yeah, well, I interviewed who,
0: on the Deep Cut. Yeah, yeah.
1: The kitchen, yeah. She, the kitchen, also uh, was nominated for. Did she win
0: for Straight Out of Compton? I think she did win for Straight Out of Compton. Yes. So so you have two Academy Award winners developing this movie, John. Incredible. What do you think? Well, first of all, I think it's one of the most amazing things that's happened because nobody, and I mean nobody, we all of us have said this numerous times in the sphere, thought that Aladdin was going to be a damn good movie, (laughs) and it, it was a damn good movie, and people liked it, people enjoyed it, people had a good time with it. It was pretty surprising how well it did. So. To see it kind of lead to an actual sequel to this movie, I think is incredibly surprising. No, I mean, I'm telling you, nobody expected this thing to be good. The trailers weren't great, but people came to it, right? This is, this is inverse to Birds of Prey, where people didn't like those trailers, but then not enough people came to it. But for whatever reason, when they people came to see Aladdin, they were surprised how good it was. They loved the charm of it. Mina Mesoud was great, so was uh, uh, Naomi Scott, so was Will Smith. Will Smith was even more so a surprise to step into the shoes of Robin Williams and do such a great job. People Agreed. people liked the the original song. That was it. whether it was placed at the right time in the in the movie, you can make an argument about that, but overall, yeah, there were some issues like the Jafar wasn't that really menacing, but They replaced uh, the princess's storyline with this this idea of her wanting to be the Shah. That was very progressive, very up-to-date, and people liked it. It felt natural. It didn't feel forced. It felt progressive without being – it felt organically progressive, and that's a positive. So I think what you saw here was that people liked these young characters, these young actors. People liked Will Smith's chemistry with them, and so the fact they're developing a sequel is no surprise to me. I think that's a positive Overall, and we'll see what they do because if they had a bar to jump over for the first one, they've got an even higher bar, I think, to jump over the second one because yeah. we didn't see an Aladdin sequel that was straight to the that was in the theaters. It was straight right. to DVD, The Return of Jafar or whatever. Yeah, I think they had two. Yeah, actually. two of them. Yeah, exactly. Or they but, found Aladdin's dad right. or something. Oh, right. But Robin Williams did not do the voices on either no. one of those. Dan Castellaneta. Yeah, Dan Castellaneta. In. So, and no surprise there. Great voiceover actor that he is. He's the voice of Homer Simpson for those who don't know. And so. What does this mean for the the film overall? I think it's a great thing that it's happening. I, I want to, and, and this needs to go into production sooner rather than later, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and there's no word whether or not Guy Ritchie's going to be involved.
0: Right, uh, if he's going to come back to direct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now,
1: this is I believe this is the second sequel that they've done with one of their uh, live-action adaptations. The, the first sequel being The uh, Maleficent. Oh, right, yes. Which of Evil. Which I don't think it, it... It didn't do terribly, but I don't think yeah. we're going to see a Maleficent 3. I
0: don't think so either. It didn't do as well as that first one, and the first one was pretty surprising as well. Yeah. yeah. So that could be the problem. It could, it could come out the sequel and not do as well as the first one, and then that'll be there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But if there's, you know, th- we're not really living in the age of the movie star anymore. True. Um, Will Smith is about as guaranteed.
0: Yeah, him and Tom Cruise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: And even with Will Smith, even Tom Cruise, American made Tom Cruise, that wasn't a
0: great movie that yeah, nobody saw. True, true. Will Smith was in Gemini Man. Not such a great movie. Right, right. Nobody's. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they have their pitfalls, that's for sure. Um, The other aspect of this thing, which I think is interesting, is will there be any backlash because of how people were upset about Lion King? You know, uh, and I think, and this is what's interesting too, you look at Aladdin, Aladdin veered away from some of the main story points in the original animated film. And that's a positive. I, uh, Mulan looks like it's doing that. People are crazy excited for Mulan. Mulan looks great, right? Jungle Book too. Jungle Book did some different things with the original story. Lion King did not. So, although it made one point six billion dollars worldwide, you got to look at this thing and be well. Aladdin, Aladdin's got to stay that course of like doing its own thing. Now there is no source material in the sequel unless they're going to do the Jafar stuff, Return of Jafar stuff, or Return of Jafar. But I hope they don't. I hope they create an original original story and go with it from there. My guess,
1: because the guy who played Jafar did not bother me, but I understand that he was not as as comical and not as menacing as he was in the animated film, but he's probably the guy... Yeah, I don't see them bringing him back, because he was sort of the one element that most people, even the folks that did like it, were like, eh, push him to the side, everything else is great. Yeah,
0: Yeah. so if you do that and maybe replace it with a, a villain that's a little more menacing maybe the white dude comes back the oh
1: what is it ha- Hans yeah oh, uh, Prince Anders Prince Anders yeah Prince then, weren't Anders. they
0: spinning it off to do his thing uh, that was they had talked, right? they about, talked about it yeah, I think the reaction to Disney was like all right let's not do that
1: well that that news came out at the same time as Mina Masad right. saying that right. he hadn't yeah. gotten any auditions since Aladdin so maybe out. it was
0: like maybe it was a coordinated shot by Mina to be like hey put me in the sequel <laughs> hey Mickey like, Hey Mickey, hey Biggie, is put me in the sequel. Uh, anyway, all right. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, do they? They don't have anything yet, right? No, nothing no yet. Production, day, nothing yet. No... They,
1: they're not even sending scripts out to the cast. Wow. But, wow. They, but they said they have been developing it for about the last six months.
0: Yeah, and I think it's. A sh- I think maybe people saw Andrea Berloff's film, The Kitchen, and realized, well, maybe she should just write for a little bit, and we'll see what happens directing wise down the road. It is an unfortunate situation. Plenty of male directors come out and correct and direct crappy movies right off the bat. And get multiple opportunities. Maybe Burloff will down the road get another opportunity to see what she can do. Uh, I enjoy talking with her. She is a no-nonsense type of person. She drove herself to the interview. There was no publicist. There was nobody with her. Just rolled up in her. She had gotten breakfast at Ikea and rolled into the into the Collider Studios for me to interview her for got It was great. Picked up some meatballs well, in a shoe rack. Yeah, I mean, it was great. <laughs> I loved it. I love how no-nonsense she was. Drove away in her little putter, puttering car. But she is, she is someone who's a good, good writer and a hard worker. And so I, I hope nothing but the best for Andrea Berloff. And I hope she knocks it out of park with this one because Disney money is good money. <laughs> if you do well, maybe she's got some points or something in the deal for herself as a writer. We'll see. Uh, and speaking of writers or distinct writers, let's move on to our second uh, uh, a geek news item and that's the new trailer for the French Dispatch of Buffalo, New York I think is what it's called it was uh, or Paris France. is it Paris France? I, think it's, I think it's in Paris in yeah. Paris yeah yeah um, but it dropped this morning Wes Anderson's new film um, this I, I said it when I did my live stream for Mornings with the Outlaw this is one of the most Wes Anderson-y Wes Anderson, Anderson films I've ever seen it's making no pretense to be anything but absolutely damn <laughs> adorable and cute there's no pretense to have some kind of really complex story here although it is kind of uh, melding in some actual things that happened, the May 68 riots in, uh, in France which was uh, like where Charles de Gaulle like took off from the country because there were protests about about the economy, the economy halted and people thought that there was going to be a, another French revolution. This is in 1968, you know, when Vietnam is happening, the Tet Offensive, all this stuff's going on around the world, uh, the uh, Martin um, uh, 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 Luther King assassination, the Robert Kennedy assassination, a lot of stuff going on in 1968 around the world. So this is an interesting situation to put this film in and of course, there's all this other stuff wrapped. There's apparently three different storylines running through this whole movie but this thing is f- shock full of the Wes Anderson actors with some new... Yes Actors to the Wes Anderson world Which I really appreciated What did you think of the trailer?
1: Um, you know what? I think this As you you, you put it very very well This is yeah. the most Wes Anderson Wes Anderson movie There's ever been <laughs> This this looks like A hipster fever dream I really really
0: It really does <laughs> like You can see the cocktails With the little Like you know handlebar mustache <laughs> Oh yeah So you're going to see The French Dispatch Here you go <laughs> But yeah.
1: you've got new New players Timothy Chalamet yeah. Chalamet uh, Jeffrey Wright Jeffrey Wright Which we've never seen uh, is, Has Benicio Del Toro Ever been in one uh, of his films? I want to say no yeah, I don't recall him yeah, being yeah. The one of them. Elizabeth Moss pops yes, in. Yes, Moss is in there. Um, you know, as a as a filmmaker, I think Wes Anderson has such a specific way of telling a story yes. and such a specific aesthetic. It's it's not always for me. Mm-hmm. Um I do I did really like the Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, that, that is by far. My favorite Wes Anderson film, shortly followed by, uh, Moonrise Kingdom. Right. Um, but I remember when I went to go see the Royal Tannenbaums, I went and saw, uh, Rushmore and I knew that I was supposed to like it because everyone was just like, this is so great. And about half an hour in, I'm like, that's just not as funny as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and by the time like Jason Schwartzman and Bill Murray are kind of taking shots at each yeah. other, I'm like, okay, it's kind of funny, but I went and saw the Royal Tannenbaums by myself. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It was when I was in school and, After about 45 minutes, I dozed off. And then I woke up for the end, and I loved it. Wow! And I was like, well, that was amazing. i got to bring all my buddies to see this. And then that middle 45 minutes that I fell asleep for, they were like, this is a piece of crap. What is (laughs) wrong with you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't really remember this part. (laughs) But that being said, he he has a very, very loyal audience. Yeah. if you buy into his world, if if you're a fan of that, yeah. I think the trailer looks fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I love sort of the ultra-stylized way that the characters deliver their dialogue. Yes. Just that exchange between Benicio Del Toro and Adrian Brody is so... It's for sale.
0: Uh, it isn't for sale. No, it isn't. Of course it is. No, it isn't. Of course it is. No, it isn't. It is. no, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's stuff you see, and that was in Grand Budapest as well. You saw those exchanges in Grand Budapest a couple of times as well. Yeah. Which, so it's that's they decorate the Wes Anderson movies. I agree. Um, uh, I am his audience. I enjoy his movies. I there's only been two that I haven't liked. Ironically, Bottle Rocket is one I do not like, uh, and The Darjeeling Limited. Thirty minutes in, I was like, I don't give a fuck what happens to any of these people, <laughs> and turned it off. <laughs> right, and li- I, I like Life Aquatic for. It's swings. It takes big swings to break the mold of the Wes Anderson movies up to that point. So I appreciate it for that. Yeah. Uh, but overall, I'm a big fan of Royal Tenenbaums. I do not find it boring at all. I like it a lot. I love Rushmore. Uh, big fan of Moonrise Kingdom. Big fan of Fantastic Mr. Fox. Which I like Fantastic Mr. Fox is really good. Right? I think so. Whenever I stumble upon that, I will spend half an hour watching that film if I'm flipping channels or whatever. Isle of Dogs? Isle of Dogs I love too. Did you really? I really enjoyed the piss out of that film. Okay. I went to see it on a date before I was with Lindley and I was watching it And I was having a grand old time I really was I really enjoyed The voiceover work By everybody in that film I enjoyed the Stop motion of the dogs The story Everything I'm a Jap- J- Japanophile Anyway I think that's what it's called And so for me Anything Japanese related Is it already has my interest Right So the way it was all set up And the designs And everything like that With the cat Versus the dogs And mm-hmm. all that Just kind of appealed to me So I, I You have to go really far for me not to like A Wes Anderson film He has to go really out there or, or make me really not care about anybody.
1: And the thing about this film
0: is, when what I was reading is, it's it's dedicated to his love of the New Yorker. And, you know, the New Yorker is those cartoons mm-hmm. and the quick little uh, articles or the longer, uh, more investigative articles. So, in essence, he's turning this movie into a magazine. So, this will be fascinating. Bill Murray being the editor of the magazine. He's an American in a French Uh, City trying to navigate what's happening around him. And an incredible Tilda Swinton, Jason Schwartzman's in this. Mm -hmm. Like I said, Jeffrey Wright. And this is nice to see a little more diverse cast as well. I mean, that's one of the things that people knock about Wes Anderson is he doesn't usually put... Uh, people of color in his movies. Danny Glover and his son, and the actor who plays his son, are the only people of color in *Royal Tenenbaums*. Uh, yeah. Unless, you, uh, of course, the Indian uh, uh, gentleman who is uh, his Sikh. friend. Sikh. I think you, I think I'm see- sorry, Sikh. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah. The Sikh gentleman who is uh, uh, Hackman's friend. Right, um, um, So we see him. But most of the time, he's not. The voiceover stuff in Finesse and Mr. Fox, I don't think there's anybody who is of color in the whole movie. So you you have this throughout. And so I like that he's getting... And I've never knocked him for it. And I don't think anybody should knock him for it. To me, right. I think he's like the Woody Allen of our time. Like everybody <laughs> wants to be in his cute little independent films. And he gets these big stars to come in and do like... Five lines or one yeah. two scenes and like Bruce like you get Bruce Willis to come in yeah. and give this very sort of stylized
1: performance and like he he's notoriously kind of difficult yes. to work with. Yes. So the fact that Bruce Willis one agreed to do it, but agreed to do it Wes Anderson's way. Right, right. I think that really says something about him as a storyteller, but also him probably as a person.
0: And I also think uh, uh, Wes Anderson is definitely a little bit of a mini Tarantino. He finds these actors that used to be big, recently big, and then puts them back in his movies. He resuscitated Edward Norton. Norton wasn't doing shit after his run there. He started popping up in some weird movies. You're like, what are you doing in this? Like the Jason Bourne movie. You're like, what what are you doing in this? This is not your... You were the lead of Primal Fear, American History X. What are you doing playing some CIA agent? Uh, who's put upon in this movie. It's stupid. <laughs> but Wes Anderson found the uh, great humor in Edward Norton. Edward Norton kind of surrenders himself to the material, and he's charming to watch when he's in a Wes Anderson movie. And I think J- Adrian Brody, the same th- thing happened for him in Grand Budapest Hotel, right? Adrian Brody was doing these terrible horror movies, the thriller movies that nobody was going to see. They're going straight to DVD, puts him in this Now he's in another one, and we fall back in love with Adrian Brody as an actor. So, in some small way, like Tarantino did with Travolta and Robert Forster and Jackie, um, um, Pam Greer, Wes Anderson kind of does that, just like and Woody did the same thing with some actors too, bringing them back after a while, what have you. So, I, I like that he does that, right? We'll see. I mean, we'll see. And it's coming out this summer, it is coming out this summer. I hope to God I get to cover it. I uh, hope the outlaw nation grows big enough that the publicists uh, will invite me to their junkets for this one because I really want to do the junket of a Wes Anderson film. That would be a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. What's our third geek news item? Okay, so we found out that uh, you know Scott Derrickson was had left the uh, director's position yep. at uh, Doctor Strange two a few weeks ago. Son of a bitch! Yeah, that it was creative differences, but he was staying on as an EP. What does
0: that mean? <laughs> well, one <laughs> too many spells.
1: Well, you know, the thing I like Doctor Strange. You see the way that Doctor Strange they might be positioning him for for the larger story in the MCU yes. and how they're having to squeeze a lot of stuff and how they, they said it's going to tie into WandaVision, we've heard that it might right. tie into Loki. Yes. So Scott Derrickson left. And it was announced a week ago. He's not signed yet, but Sam Raimi is in negotiations. Now, this is kind of old news, but there's a little bit coming after it. Okay. Um, so yeah, Sam Raimi, it could possibly be making his first comic book film since Spider-Man 3, um, for the MCU. He might be the doc, might be the director for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So that's the first part of this. Mm -hmm. What do you think of this choice, John?
0: Well, uh, I wasn't as crazy as the nerds on the internet. I wasn't my fellow nerds on the internet. I don't want to. Objectify, uh, my fellow nerds and geeks on the internet. I was not over the moon about this choice. And I'll tell you this. Sam Raimi to me is like Guillermo del Toro. Incredible amount of potential. And when he gets it right, you love it. But when he doesn't get it right, which is more often than not you're not the biggest fan of it, to be honest yeah. with you. You know, um, What do people talk about? Spider-Man 2 doesn't hold up as, as well as it, it did before. No one talks about Spider-Man 1 anymore, really. Uh, Spider-Man 3 certainly kind of destroyed him. He did come back with Ash versus Evil Dead, but how many people were clamoring for Oz the Great and Powerful or defending that movie? Right. Um, he did uh, uh, Drag Me to Hell, which a lot of people love. Um, and then Evil Dead, uh, Evil Dead 2. People like Army of Darkness... I'd take it or leave it. So yeah. for me, it's a, and the same thing with Del Toro. There's a lot of misses in Del Toro's resume, Crimson Peak. Uh, there's a lot of these things, but then he does something like Shape of Water, and you're like, wow, so this is what he can do with a film. So I, I find this interesting, too, because it's an older director coming into this situation, I liked that they were kind of skewing with these younger 30-year-olds who had a kind of a more vibrant approach to the material. And so I like I the first documentary. I thought Derrickson really nailed it. So, for me, I'm concerned about what aesthetic Sam is going to bring. Remember Dark Man? Dark Man is fun because it's cheesy. Right. Don't make Doctor Strange cheesy. My see, man is working on multiple mystical levels. I don't want cheese ball shit in Doctor Strange. You and I
1: are of a like mind on this yeah. because I saw that. And I think the initial instinct when you see Sam Raimi doing a film for the MCU it's like, oh my God, awesome. But then it's like, okay, he's coming into a world that's already been established. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there is, with not with all of his films, but there is an inherent campiness with this type of film when he's doing it. Um I think about some of the visuals that were in Darkman that he also used in the first Spider-Man movie. Right. Like the equations flying across the screen and right. stuff like that. And knowing that initially, like Scott Derrickson's, I think, intention with Doctor Strange... For this this adventure was to make it uh, a little a little scarier. Yeah, and granted, Sam Raimi does know how to make a scary movie. Certainly, Jack help
0: proves that. Evil but there gets.
1: is a there's a there's a little bit of a silliness. Yes, to Yes,
0: and that's the thing I want to avoid. Exactly. I, I, I think Ragnarok worked because Chris Hemsworth can play those kinds of things, and it's interesting, right? Yeah, the kind of cheesiness or the kind of silliness of it, but it works because he doesn't lose the aesthetic of still being the baddest mofo in the room when he wants to be, right? right. With Doctor Strange and Cumberbatch, I think you you can... Because already that accent, that American accent of his <laughs> isn't the greatest American accent. So <laughs> if you want to start adding silly stuff to it, I, I worry about what can happen. But a lot right. of people are rumbling that the reason they brought him on is because they're going to close the loop here on the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man and that he may appear as one of the spider Man in the Multiverse of Madness Coming in, that all three of them—Garfield, Toby McGuire, Tom Tom Holland—will be a part of this movie. So if that and Feige worked with uh, uh, Raimi in the past, I don't know if it was on a Spider-Man movie, but he worked with him in the past. So this may be, hey, this is an interesting situation. Do you want to come direct it, wash Spider-Man three finally out of people's mouths or minds, and kick ass with this film, and kind of close the loop with Toby on your Spider-Man? That would be fun because, I mean, <laughs> Boss Logic did a fantastic uh, piece where you have this circle, the orange circle that he uses, right, The for the portals. And you see Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man suit coming out into the city, like shooting out into the city. <laughs> and I was like, oh, now I'm interested. So that could sell me on it if he's going to do that. If they're going to do that. Good God Almighty, people are going to lose their ever-loving minds.
1: <laughs> well, they also have a new writer. Yes. Apparently, Scott Derrickson and his writing partner, who I, his name is escaping me mm-hmm. right now, apparently they never even turned in a draft oh, of the wow. script. Oh, wow. Which, you know, when you're putting... I mean, I don't have a lot of future experience, but when we're putting an episode together, you always start with an outline. Yeah, yeah. And before you start writing the script, you get notes on that outline, and you find out what the, what the studio likes, what they don't like. Right. So the fact that these guys never even wrote a draft kind of tells me that as they're figuring out where phase four phase five are going to go that they're like all right this is we have to add this we have to add this we have to add this and maybe that's where scott derrickson was like i'm out yeah yeah so the writer that they have tapped to replace him is Michael Waldron, who is the head writer on the upcoming Loki series. Oh, wow. So the – and, like, it's not been corroborated at all that Loki is going to tie into Doctor Strange. That's just something I heard. Right, right. Um, but if that is true, then it's like, okay, it makes sense that the guy who's spearheading this one project is mm. now going to go to um, – to Dr. Strange.
0: Well, it also makes sense because they talked about how WandaVision was kind of, kind of lay the groundwork for Dr. Strange, the multiverse of madness. So if WandaVision is also connected to Loki and that whole Marvel TV, Disney plus thing, then it makes sense to have someone who is from that universe kind of be one of the writers or the head writer for this particular uh, version of the film. So why not? Why not? I mean, someone who is engrossed and is already working with the storylines within the Disney Plus shows, they could probably be just as well, uh, they could do just as well, rather, knowing what to do on the feature film aspect, transporting that onto the feature film. Of uh, Doctor Strange. Transporting. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) For all all of our podcast listeners, I was doing the Doctor Strange (laughs)
1: portal uh, sling ring. (laughs) (laughs) On your left. On your left. Uh, (laughs) Do you like this? Do you like it? I mean, I like him as a writer. He also used to write for Rick and Morty. Oh. Um, So that tells me that he's very intelligent. But that comedy, I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't know. We'll see, we'll We'll see, see. we'll see. I mean, I, I was a big fan of the of the first Doctor Strange movie as well. I love him popping up in other Marvel movies. Um, I hope that this, I hope it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, I hope so too. Certainly, and you know, our job is to look at it and give our honest opinions here on the show. That's our honest opinions on the show. It could go badly. But it could very well be great, could close the loop for a lot of people, and could leave a lot of nerds feeling really good, you know? And like I was hoping Star Wars would do by bringing Hayden Christensen back, Christensen back, and they didn't do it. So, I mean, who knows? It could happen here with Tony McGuire and Sam Raimi with another Spider-Man film. All right. Or Doctor Strange film, Spider-Man in it. Um, All right. um, Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. We'll jump into our main topic after this. And we're back. Well, well, well. All right. Thank you so much for continuing to listen to the show or watch the show. Uh, we're at the 31-minute mark. We really appreciate it. Uh, all your support and all your love. Here's, let's move on to the main topic. And the main topic... Um, is Birds of Prey. Uh, not yes. necessarily getting so much support and so much love from uh, the movie-going public. Certainly, In, in general. In yeah. general, yeah. Certainly the critics have enjoyed it. It's at 80%, I think, at Rotten Tomatoes right now. The cinema score is strong. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, um, the box office was not as strong Thirty-two point two five million, I think, is what it was on opening weekend. It had been projected from anywhere to fifty to fifty-five. So, really, a surprising twenty million dollar kind of underperforming film in terms of that. Look, it was made for just under hundred million dollars, but you always got to factor in two and a half times plus maybe a little extra half for marketing right. before a film sees any kind of profit. Um, I per- I personally don't think it's going to have any legs. I think no matter what they do with this thing, it's kind of dead in the water. Uh, right now. They tried the name change. It's not official, by the way. This was just done by theater chains.
1: Yeah, and, and not all theater chains. And not
0: all theater chains, right, exactly. So we'll see if that really leads to anything uh, down the road. But overall, kind of a shock. How? What do you, what's your impression about all this? Yeah, well, you know,
1: uh, we went to that screening together. Yes, we did. And the marketing in general, you and I were, again, of a like mind. It was kind of like, eh, I don't yeah. know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you and I, and more you, I think, really mentioned the fact, like, all of the trailers, it's just her. It's yeah. just her. Like, you're not really giving any of the other characters, you're not even really introducing them. Yeah. Um, I don't think the name change, I mean, when people go to the movies, I would say 99.9% of the time, they know what they're going to see. Yes, of they're course. not, they're not looking at a marquee and saying, huh, what should we see today? Yeah. So I don't know what good that name change is going to do. Like, I, I, did say after we saw the film they like hey you really should have called it harley quinn and the birds of prey right not so much from a marketing standpoint but more just like that's what the story yeah, yeah i mean it's harley quinn's story the birds of Prey are a little bit i mean they're they're players but i mean they're they're a little bit of an afterthought i mean it's yeah. her story
0: yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. We're, gonna, we're not going to spoil the movie we're just going to have a discussion about it so just wanna let people know right? yeah no spoilers no spoilers no so, spoilers
1: yeah, yeah. um but yeah, I mean, basically, if you saw the marketing and thought like, "Oh, this is pretty much just the Harley Quinn movie," you're right. I yeah, mean, that's that's what it was. Yeah. And it's not a bad film. I mean, no, no, it's it's. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I went and saw it after uh, once it came out just by myself when I heard it was doing so badly. <laughs> um yeah. I went I went and saw it alone because I was like, you know what? I, let me I want to go go and support this. Yeah, sure. Because I didn't think it was a bad film. I like. I like DC Comics. I want to see more DC Comics right. make the transition to the to the big screen. Um man, I don't know. I mean, you it, I feel like there was a hashtag called like when you go woke, you go broke or something oh, like yeah, that. Oh yeah,
0: which is which... I've seen that hashtag, and that, that hashtag is selectively used, right? Because like, if you go woke, you go broke. Last I checked, Captain Marvel crossed a billion dollars. Wonder Woman made that kind of money. Black Panther was nominated for a Best Picture. Yeah. So don't give me that. That, that. that hashtag is used by trolls uh, for certain situations where they think... It's been proven across the board And they're conveniently using For one particular example It's not true Now, that being said I understand the sentiment of it, right? You gotta be clear on this I was talking with a couple of people Earlier today at UCLA uh, At that Harry Potter dinner Because they are uh, They had, they know me So they were asking uh. me questions About this kind of stuff And I heard from them Exactly what I think the problem is um, You can be progressive in your movies The issue is When it feels shoehorned or shoved in or you being preached to and it doesn't feel organic to the story mm-hmm. then it becomes a problem like these like immediate like bashing men moments or these immediate like empowerment moments that come at the expense and feel shoved in rather than built to mm-hmm. that's where i think people get turned off by that kind of stuff did and, you feel like there there were a lot of those no, moments not at all and that's okay. why i think it's unfair I, yeah i yeah, did and that's why i think it's unfair to vilify this movie for that i don't think there was yes or, or is every man in the movie pretty much a villain yes uh, except for you know maybe uh, the guy who owns the the thai restaurant or whatever not necessarily a villain, but he does something that veers into the uh, questionable territory. But overall, all the dudes are pretty much you no. Know, They're even making fun of Montoya. Uh, certainly, uh, Black Canary is working for you and McGregor's Black Mask. She's subjected some abuse there. Harley Quinn is being chased on by everybody because the Joker no longer her boyfriend, and all this stuff's in the trailers. And and so, <laughs> and uh, Huntress is kind of figuring out what she's got to do next. So. There's a lot... Everyone's getting emancipated. It isn't just Harley Quinn. Yeah. um, But I don't think it's it's anti-men, like people were saying. It can be a feminist movie without being anti-men. Those two things don't necessarily connect, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's where I, I, I thought it was a bit unfair for some of the fans I saw online who were saying, you know, it's an anti-men movie or some of the comments made by some of the actresses that they're misconstruing as saying, you know, it's against men. It's not. It's no, just no. Saying, I, I didn't get yeah, that sense at yeah. all. Yeah, what did you think? Yeah,
1: I, well, I'm wondering, do you think... Because... Okay, because Suicide Squad, which made a lot of money, yes. but was sort of universally reviled. Even
0: Kalinowski hates that film. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't hate DC films. So.
1: Do you think that audiences were not necessarily inclined to see the movie because of Suicide Squad? Because it did have somewhat of a similar aesthetic. You are taking one of the bright spots of yeah. that movie and giving her her own movie. But maybe it was like, nah, I, I, I saw it
0: before and I didn't yeah. like it, so why... It's a good point because certainly the film has the vibe of Suicide Squad—the kind of weird, unsettled uh, things that happen. Or uh, you know, like it's—it's it's like this the whole time. The movie is just like, and there's a lot of action. There's a lot of vibrancy, technicolor, some weird kind of villainous stuff going on with black masks cutting people's faces off. It's brutal in that way. Um, but uh, so it has that vibe of Suicide Squad that was mm. that way as well kind of disjointed and some violent scenes or whatever but I, this is a way better film than Suicide Squad in yeah. my opinion certainly a more interesting film and a film that you can follow and enjoy and a villain that is worth it you know who doesn't do this the whole time so I, I enjoyed that uh, in this film, but yeah, you bring up a good point. What are the factors here? Was it the fact that it was a sequel? In essence, a sequel to Suicide Squad. I don't know if that's part of it. I- it could be possibly part of it. The other part of it that a lot of people have been h- banging the drum about, which I think I'm on that uh, in that camp as well, is that why would you R rate make this movie R rated? There are young girls who love Harley Quinn yeah. who now have to have their fathers go see the movie first before they can bring their daughters and I wouldn't bring a 12 year old to this movie in no way would I bring a 12 or 13 year old to this movie there's a lot of blood and violence and gore and cuss words and inappropriate situations and for a 12 or 13 year old I don't care how advanced they are about the world I would not want to bring my 12 or 13 year old to this movie and not because it doesn't have a good empowering message I think it does if I had a daughter this would be a good movie for her to see at 15 or 16 years old when she's processed a little more of the violence or whatever in in school and, and Or in movies or in TV, then she could uh, enjoy this kind of thing. But a 12 or 13-year-old or a 9-year-old or a 10-year-old, I would not bring them anywhere near this movie.
1: Yeah, there is a lot of language in it. I didn't think the violence was that bad. I mean, there are a couple of moments with Black Mask and there are a couple of moments where Harley is, you know, dishing out some punishments. Yes, she is. But for the most part, I'm like, this is mainly, like, there are F-bombs aplenty. Yeah. And F-bombs can be funny. yes would it have been as funny if she were if she didn't drop the f bomb i don't know right. but yeah i mean i do think outside of the possible uh, outside of the possibility mm-hmm. of a sequel to joker i imagine this is probably the last r rated dc movie that we've seen
0: yeah, maybe. Ben. I mean, because I mean, it makes a, you make an interesting point because Joker made a billion dollars. Yeah, and it's already but that's Joker, right? Harley Quinn, and that's another thing. But, but we're saying that after the fact, like people true, didn't know that. Very true, Shannon. Absolutely, no. Everyone was worried about it, whether it was even going to make any money, whether yeah. it was going to turn a profit. Um, but you also bring up something kind of indirectly, and that is the Joker is a way larger name in the world of movie-going public. You know, since 1989. We have seen Joel well, since 1960s, right. we've seen a version of Joker either on the TV screen or on the movie screen, and so he's been in our lives and in our parents' lives for multiple decades on screen. Yes, he's been longer decades in print, but certainly on screen, so he's a well-known character, a quantity. Uh, Harley Quinn has just come on in the early 90s on the animated series, so... I don't think she's built up the same kind of name recognition as Joker or Batman to the point where people would come to go and see this movie and put it over a billion dollars. I don't know, though, because
1: think about prior to the release of Deadpool. Who mm-hmm. do you think was more well-known, Deadpool or Harley Quinn?
0: I mean granted, oh, Harley Quinn. Yeah. Yeah, hands down. So Deadpool, I
1: mean, I don't think it made but a But I would say
0: Ryan Reynolds is more well-known than Margot Robbie at that time, uh.
1: if you're comparing yeah, well, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely comparison, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I just, I, I wonder why a bunch of, like, gal groups didn't go out and see this. Yeah, right.
0: It's a good point, right? I mean, yes, you do shut out some of the 14, 13, 12, 15-year-old girls, 10-year-olds, whatever. But where is the girl power in this? Because you look at the uh, statistics, and Scott Mendelson wrote, wrote about this in Forbes, 54% of the audience was male. Yeah. 18 to 49 54% of the audience was male. They went to go see this movie. Uh, and that's kind of surprising that women didn't go at a higher level at 60%. Like they probably did for... I imagine that they did. I don't have the stats raw and funny, but I know that I've seen it before for Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. You know, So people came... Men came out to see this movie. Yeah. So this idea that, oh, men don't go see these movies. We'll see. Someone commented on my stream that, oh, younger, older women wait till the opening weekend is over, then go see the movie. Okay. We'll see what happens in the second weekend. If this thing drops precipitously, then that argument holds no weight and no water rather. And so that's where you come back to why weren't more of these, you know, 20 year olds, 30 year olds going at girls night and then going over and over again. Cause the thing we've seen with DC movies and especially with the Joker, Shannon, people went back to see DC movies over and over and over again, but with for Aquaman for Joker, for Wonder Woman, for Wonder Woman, but Shazam, not as much. Yeah. So, uh, Harley Quinn, not as much. So, what is it about these films, them, those two films, that de- separates them from Joker and from Aquaman and from Wonder Woman and what have you? Man, I don't know
1: because obviously I'm an Aquaman fan. Yeah. I thought Birds of Prey and Shazam were way better than Aquaman. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, I agree with you a thousand percent. <laughs> because
0: I'm about Waterlogged. I yeah. mean,
1: Aquaman was long too. Yeah, dude. <laughs> like I'll I'll go. You know, I'm a I'm a Single man in my 40s, so I have the um, freedom to go see a movie as many times as I would like yeah. to go see it. So I will go see things two and three and four times. Yeah. And Aquaman, I think I did it twice, mm. maybe three times. Yeah. But after a while, I'm like, oh boy, this is another like two and a half hour, two and a half hour trip to Atlanta. Oh, I don't know yeah. if I got it in. Me. No, dog. <laughs> like I'm definitely gonna go see Birds of. Pr- I'll go see Birds of Prey again. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's a lot of fun, and that's what I think is the shame of it overall is that. This is a good film. And I think everybody's waiting with bated breath to see what happens in the second weekend. Yeah. There's not... M- already Sonic the Hedgehog is going to defeat it. That was prognosticated today. Really? Already. It's tracking it higher than Birds of Prey. It's yeah. tracking for a possible $40 million opening Wow! for Sonic the Hedgehog. That's so surprising. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think kids still cared about Sonic. I, I mean, it's incredible, right? And And it may bear out fruit that them going back and changing the look of Sonic the Hedgehog... Was the smart move because now people are going to go see the movie and maybe it'll make the moment. And if it does, because everyone was saying that Birds of Prey doesn't have much competition until blah, 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 until like March or yeah, until March. And it's like, no, here comes Sonic the Hedgehog, who's going to because if it's a good movie and it's a funny movie and people enjoy it and want to take their family to go see it, there's your money. There's your money that could have gone to Birds of Prey if you toned down a little bit of the violence and made it PG-13. There's the people that could have gone to go see your movie. you know, Because it didn't... That's another thing. It didn't have to be R-rated. There was, it, no, we have the R-rated TV series already going on on DC Universe. This didn't have to be R-rated. From what I remember in uh, Suicide Squad, she doesn't cuss up a storm. Uh, she uses her bat, right? She uses she. There is vi- there is fighting, yeah. But she doesn't overtly create like pools of blood wherever she goes. So right. there doesn't there didn't need to necessarily be um, an R rating on this one. Yeah, I don't know if they were flexing their muscles or maybe Margot Robbie. And look, this has got to be said, Margot Robbie is the executive producer of this thing. She is the star of this show, uh, this film rather from what I understand, from what I've read she was very integral in getting Kathy Ann signed as the director of this movie so mm-hmm. a lot of this weight falls on her uh, her shoulders and she has to shoulder the blame, and, and, for lack of a better term. And nobody better come at me and be like oh, she's only getting abused because she's a woman or getting questioned because she's a woman. Bullshit. any man who does these kinds of things gets questioned. Now, will she get the same opportunities to keep messing up like men do? That's the separate conversation. But she certainly deserves some kind of questioning over her decision-making in making this thing an R-rated movie.
1: Right. I think so. Well, I mean, but that might not have been unilaterally her decision. Fair. As well.
0: I don't know. I don't know what her part in the process is. Yeah. Her being an executive producer on the film, I feel like she carried weight. Yeah, Margot Robbie has her own production company. She carries weight.
1: Well, and like you think about Deadpool Two, which Deadpool Two made a, a good chunk of money, sure. But the fact that Tim Miller left over creative differences, yeah, Ryan forced him out. Yeah, yeah, and that it did not. I mean, that's why they did that PG thirteen cut with Fred Savage. Mm-hmm. Be like, all right, let's see if we can squeeze squeeze a little more money yeah, out yeah, of yeah, yeah, out of this thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe. Do they try to do a PG-13 cut of Birds of Prey? God,
0: God. No, I think you just have to take the loss and move on. <laughs> this changing the title thing, this... If they cut it to a PG-13... I mean, people are very reticent to go back and give something else a second chance after they've moved on. It's very tough, you know. But let me ask you about the Snyder Cut, John. <laughs> That's different. That's <laughs> different. That is so different, so different. Someone posted some fan art the, uh, uh, either this morning or yesterday of Superman in the black suit leading the Justice League against Dark Side. Yeah. And I lost my mother effing mind. I lost my mother effing mind. I don't. I I get it. I get it. But P, that's an unfinished thing. There's a difference between <laughs> like Justice League is what PG thirteen Deadpool f- two felt like. Right, And Justice League is what Birds of Prey PG-13 might feel like. Because remember, they brought Chad Stahelski back in during the reshoots because they didn't have enough Birds of Prey in the movie. So they had to kind of shoot some sequences and stunts and fights and whatever to make sure those, all four of them fought together as the Birds of Prey. Right. So... And you know, someone was complaining to me as well that they felt the film was a bit ableist. By the way, I've never, I didn't hurt. I didn't I had no idea what this term was till this morning. And it's for people who are disabled looking at a character that is disabled and having that character not be portrayed disabled on screen. And apparently Cassandra Cain is like a deaf mute who becomes an assassin and blah, blah, blah. blah. So they felt like the portrayal of Cassandra Cain being the sidekick of of, uh, Harley Quinn as the movie goes on didn't, like, kind of took away that angle of Cassandra Cain. So I don't think there's people banging on the door going, that's not my Cassandra Cain, but certainly that's a, a, a thing that could be a strike against the film for some people who like Cassandra Cain. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It's something... Certainly opened some fissures. This film, for sure. And um, wh- what do you think happened? What do you think happened? Man, I don't know. I, okay. I, I, I think Sorry
1: it comes that. down. Yeah. To, it comes down to the R rating. It comes down to the marketing. I mean, people, yeah. for whatever reason, were not excited to see this film, and because we live in a little bit of a bubble out here, we take for granted that yeah. if the marketing doesn't impress people. And that the general movie going public, they're not going to spend their money yeah. to go see it. Yeah, yeah. There's too much good stuff on Netflix and Hulu. Like, it really is. You don't need to spend
0: 40 bucks to, to take a date to a movie. Well, and that's what I mean. If people, if they cycle back to this thing and make it a PG-13, they shoot themselves in the foot. and And they're basically admitting we messed it up the first time. And I know you bring up Snyder Cut again. That would be if, if they released a Snyder Cut, Warner Brothers would be saying essentially, we messed this up the first time. Um, uh, someone tweeted at me something that someone made a comment about it's possibly coming up to coming on HBO Max. And I'm like, I just don't think it could be, I just don't think it's possible.
1: I don't think a a Snyder Cut version of Justice League is going to be. A, a groundswell of uh, subscriptions for HBO Max. Yeah, I think people are going to get HBO Max if they want to get HBO yeah, Max. Yeah, right, right, right. Fair, <laughs> fair.
0: Well, where do we go from here with Birds of Prey? Do you think, I mean, obviously she's going to be in Suicide Squad too. but do you think there's a sequel to Birds of Prey that could be salvaged here if they kind of make some tweaks? I think if, they, if that
1: second weekend drop is like 40%. Yeah. Um, oh,
0: okay, then maybe there's a possibility. Yeah. If it's yeah. 70, is it done? It's a Harley Quinn movie. I don't think a Harley Quinn movie is done. Maybe a Birds of Prey movie is done. I, I don't see a
1: Harley Quinn movie coming after wow, this. Wow, wow, wow. Honestly. Okay. I, I think they will give the character and the property a rest. Okay. Um, but think about movies. And granted, it's it's not it's not normal, but like The Greatest Showman. The Greatest Showman opened at number four. And then it did not leave the top five yeah. for months. Yep. So it's... Possible, like I haven't been checking box office, uh, the box office Mojo to see how it's doing day after day, right? But it has good, good word question. of mouth. Yeah, yeah, it, it has really good, good word of mouth. Word of mouth. I like
0: it, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not a Charlie's Angel situation. Like I went and saw that. So low, cause I was curious. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, this is not a great, this isn't a great movie. And it's yeah. not, it's not, it's not the cinematic pariah that people made it out to be. Right, right. But I'm like, yeah, this, this isn't that great. Okay. So my, my hope is that Birds of Prey has a very small drop and that we will get to, See more of these characters. I'd okay. like to see the oracle that lives in this world. Yeah, yeah. The Lady Blackhawk.
0: The Lady Blackhawk is part of this. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, Barbara Gordon. You want to see Barbara Orc. Gordon? That's the that oracle. Right, right. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm trying to see where the numbers are. Mm. Yeah. I, uh, they're pro- Yeah, they're projecting Sonic the Hedgehog to 43 point f- or 43, or f- between 43 and $48 million dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, The photograph is being projected 13 to 18 million. Blumhouse's Fantasy Island from 12 to 17 million. Remember, this is a holiday weekend. Yeah. Um, uh, Downhill is about two to five million. By the way, go see Downhill. I'm doing a review for that on the channel uh, tomorrow and dropping it uh, on Friday morning. But it is, I liked it a lot. So uh, there you go. But they don't have a projection for Harley Quinn at this point. They're just saying they hope it holds on and does what it needs to do. Um, but right now, they're looking like it's not even going to break even. Like it's barely going to break even, is what they're projecting. Well,
1: yeah, I know it had a soft point. international launch, too. Yeah. Right? It was like 48
0: million. It, w- it didn't come out in Japan yet. Right. Well, that was in the coronavirus apparently oh, it's right. been affecting that as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sonic, anywhere between 33 and 38, 40 to 43. So you're hearing multiple uh, numbers, but the numbers are high. So yeah. that's not a negative for Sonic the Hedgehog. Um my God, if it opens higher than Birds of Prey opened, that's a well, fam- statement. Family movie. Yeah, true, true, true. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah. All right, all right. We'll see what happens with this thing. We'll see what happens with Birds of Prey this weekend and where it ends up falling. Um, but it's certainly not feeling like it's gonna pick up steam. But like you said, you never know. show showman, all that Who kind knows? of stuff. You never know. So uh, and hopefully there's some lessons to be learned here. And I don't think I don't think you can bring back the old DC narratives off of this either like oh they don't know what they're doing or blah 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 they took a chance already movie they had a good star Margot Robbie they had Ewan McGregor coming in as mm-hmm. the villain yeah you've got Journey Smollett Bell you've got Mary Elizabeth Winstead not as well known uh, Rosie Perez hasn't really been a strong actress uh, and a strong presence sorry as an actress in the last uh, 15 years so right. you know that these are the, they took some chances here and I like the chances they took I enjoyed the movie for what it was um, but in the end, I, I, I wonder what the lessons are to take from this. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah.
1: We'll see. Fingers crossed. If you, you know, for Valentine's weekend, you <laughs> want to go see a movie. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> go see Birds of Prey. Yeah, yeah.
0: Take it lady to see Birds of Prey. <laughs> She'll thank you for it. You never know. Yeah, because Downhill's not a Valentine's movie yeah, either. It, it from does, that <laughs> trailer. so Just
1: because it comes out on Valentine's weekend doesn't
0: make it a Valentine's yeah, movie. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, well, uh, we're at 55 minutes. You want to wrap it up here? You feel good? Company, yeah, we're talking about else. Yeah. all right, all right. Well, thank you so much for listening or watching this episode of the Geek Buddies. We always appreciate you taking the time to download it or and watch it now. Recently, uh, it means a lot. Leave us some comments in the comments section below if you're watching it on YouTube or tweeted us some of your comments. What do you think about what we talked about? About what happened with Birds of Prey, about uh, the Spider Man stuff with Sam Raimi and Doctor Strange. What, uh the French Dispatch? Aladdin and, 2. And, and Aladdin 2. All of that. Let us know what you think in the comment section or tweet or uh send us a message on Instagram. How can they do that, Shannon? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social
1: media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you would like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to follow Mr. Roca, it's at the Roca Says. If you'd like to follow Mr. Vogel, it's at
0: MKToon. And I will be on the Goldbergs next week, Ooh. next Wednesday. Yeah, and if you want to go back and see him on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, him and Joe LaTrulio going at it, <laughs> really funny scenes there from Shannon McClung, who is a fantastic actor. And hey, that tweet got a lot of likes, Shannon. It did.
1: It did. <laughs> it's
0: over uh, it's over 1,800. 1,800? Yeah. Wow. We got to get it up to 4,000. That'll be a good good number for that tweet as well. I'm just going to start putting up old pictures of me with actors. Yeah, <laughs> Whatever it takes, man. It's just going to be shameless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and if you're listening to us on uh, any of your podcast apps, or uh, please, for God's sakes, give us a like down there. Give us some stars, some ratings, and then write us a review. It always helps when you write us a review because it pushes the visibility of the show higher up in that uh, particular section of film and television. So we always, no, it doesn't matter if it's iTunes or anything else, we really appreciate you giving a little bit of love on that end all right uh and uh that's it for us here at the geek buddies hope uh mike comes back safe and uh you we will be back with another episode for you next oh one last thing please subscribe to the youtube channel uh, uh down there hit that red button hit subscribe if you enjoy the content or the geek buddies content there'll be more coming from us on camera uh, down the road as well. Reviews, what have you. We, we, we're going to do the Picard one, I think, next oh. week. We'll do a Picard review next week of episodes three, three and four. Picard
1: uh, episode three.
0: That was a good episode. That was good. Damn good episode. <laughs> There's your mini review right there. Damn good episode. Watch it. Uh, we did a one and two review that's on the podcast. We didn't put that on camera. We will put three and four on camera. So there'll be more coming down the pike. So give some love to the Geek Buddies on that end. All right. That's it. We'll talk to you next time on...